The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm here solo again tonight. Uh, I have to apologize. We've had a lot of scheduling conflicts with the rest of the staff. Uh, I don't like doing these solo ones. I'm sure you don't want to hear me talk. I don't want to hear me talk alone, but hopefully we'll get that fixed soon and we'll be able to have the rest of the team on shortly. But as always, when I'm alone, I like to reach out on Twitter to get some questions, and I got a few questions tonight that were excellent so uh first we will start with at curtis dean who asks if i'm surprised at the lack of moves by the jackets at the deadline i am not surprised obviously i had hoped that we would have accomplished more but looking back on it now i feel like what we had to offer wasn't very enticing to other teams especially compared to what else was on the market you know, when it came to Max Domi, when teams are acquiring wingers, they're looking for guys that can uh, that can score or guys that can play defense. And Max Domi is not either of those. He is a playmaker. He can pass really well. He can get assists, but he's not the guy burying the puck in the net himself. He certainly is not someone you can count on for defense. Um, now, I still think that he is underrated at this point. I think that there is a way that he could play really well for Carolina in the playoffs. And I'm excited to see that. I hope that he can pull that off, but I can understand why the market wasn't really there for him. There were other offense only players that, that didn't get much attention as well. So disappointed, not surprised. If you look at defense, you know, I, I like Dean Kukin and I think that he is a useful player. I'm not surprised that, Others have not caught on to that. And when you look at the other defensemen that got traded, 
Um, it's hard for me to say that Kukin was obviously better than any of them. Um, you had players that were either better or just more proven than Kukin. So again, not much of a market there for him. And enough defensemen were traded that by the time all of those moves were done, there was no one else who still needed a defenseman that would have traded for Kukin. And finally, there was Jonas Corposalo, who you know we talked about the way that he had basically just traded himself out of having any trade value. Um, because Elvis was out with a back issue, Corpy got to start on Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Uh, and for the first period, he actually looked really good. I was pleasantly surprised uh, by Corpy playing well. And then the second period was back to the Corpy we've seen all season. Pittsburgh scored four goals in that period. It was just bad. And then the next day, the Jackets announced that Corpusalo was going to be out for the rest of the season with a hip injury. Apparently, this is a injury that has been nagging him for some time. Obviously, it makes you wonder whether this was at all responsible for his poor play. So he's going to require hip surgery. That's going to keep him out until early next season, I would guess. So you have to wonder how that would have affected any trade. You know, would he have cleared a physical from the new team? You know, the Jacks would have disclosed that he had the issue. Could he have played through that for his new team? You know, a lot, lot of questions there, but uh, now that we know what we know, certainly not surprising that, uh, that he was not moved. Um, and honestly, overall, kind of an underwhelming deadline not too many blockbuster moves or anything the most interesting thing about this year's deadline was a trade that ended up getting voided that was Vegas's attempt to trade Evgeny Dodonov to Anaheim as a way of clearing some cap space and this was just a crazy story I can't believe that it went down only in the NHL with something as messed up as this happened so the trade happened the NHL signed off on it, and then Dodonov's agent raised the issue, hey, he has a no-trade list, modified no-trade list. Anaheim is on the list, so he can't be traded to Anaheim. And somehow, neither Vegas nor the NHL had any idea that he still had this no-trade clause. Uh, because when Vegas had acquired him from Ottawa last summer, they were led to believe that the no-trade list did not apply. Vegas was not on the list, and the list they had they thought was outdated. So it looks bad for, for everyone involved here, uh, except for Anaheim and Dodonov. They didn't do anything wrong. But, you know, Vegas, why didn't they at least talk to Dodonov's agent to let him know that a trade was happening? And then the agent could have said, hey, no, Anaheim is on our list. You can't do that. Ottawa looks bad because either they lied about the no trade list or they're so incompetent that they didn't have the new list that Donald's agent had set on time. And then the NHL looks bad because how is it that they are not tracking these no trade lists all of this time? The no trade lists have been the responsibility of the agent sending it to the team and then the team tracks it. And it is just bonkers to me that there is not some common list you know, it's called the office is called NHL Central Registry that handles all these trades, and yet they don't register no trade lists. It's it's absurd, absolutely absurd. 
you know, it seems to me that the agent could email the team the list, um, the set date, copy the NHL, copy the Players Association, then everyone would have the list. And then when you have a trade call, they can check the list and every party has a version of the list. And Pierre Lebrun did some reporting. He found some past cases that ended up not influencing a trade, but in one case, the list was emailed and a staffer accidentally deleted the email. (laughs) So they didn't have the list. Another time the list was emailed to a GM, that GM then got fired. And so the new GM and his staff didn't have the list. It's just ridiculous that in this day and age, that a supposedly major sports league would not have a better system for handling that. Absolutely ridiculous. But also very, very entertaining. Uh, for those of you who love drama or anything like that, Like this is just right in line with that. And of course, with the trade voided, Dodonov has to rejoin Vegas. And in a game over the weekend, he scored the game-winning goal. <laughs> so it, it'll be funny if Vegas does manage to make the playoffs and then have Dodonov and have him play well. That would be a, a funny coda to the story. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Next up from Maria DeVito. Happy birthday, Maria, by the way. Uh, What should the team's goals be for the rest of the season? And whenever Michigan's season is over, should Kent Johnson play with the CBJ or the Monsters? So this is time for our usual uh, weekly Kent Johnson check-in because I love talking about him. Hopefully you're not sick of hearing me talk about him because uh, I'm going to keep talking about him because he's really impressive. Uh, Michigan, they are on their way to the Frozen Four. They beat Quinnipiac yesterday to to get to that point so their next game is not until next thursday april 7th uh they play at five o'clock against denver so ken johnson's at least playing through that point if they win that game then the national championship is on saturday night april 9th so if michigan loses on the 7th the next columbus game after that is on the 9th in Detroit. So in theory, 
you know, Michigan would get back to Ann Arbor on the night of the seventh, and maybe Johnson would be ready to quickly turn around and play in Detroit. But that does seem a bit fast to get all of his affairs and orders, to be able to get with the team, be on the same page, all that. So instead, after that game, the Jackets have a have three days off, which seems really weird for that time of year. And then their next game is uh, Wednesday, April 13th at home against Montreal. So I think whether Michigan loses on the 7th or whether they win and then play on the 9th, then I think Johnson would have plenty of time to get back home, get his affairs sorted, sign the contract, practice with the Jackets, and then make his debut on the 13th. So I would say go ahead and circle that date in pencil on your calendar. That is a game that I already got tickets to because that was going to be the Josh Anderson and David Savard homecoming game. I wanted to be there for that. So now it could also be the Kent Johnson debut game. And so all of a sudden now I'm very, very excited for this game if that is in fact when Johnson makes his debut. I do think that he should be playing with the Jackets rather than the Monsters. Now, if the Monsters were bound for the Calder Cup playoffs, then I think it would be more of a discussion because then it would make sense for him to get in some regular season games with them and then go on into the to the postseason. But it's looking like the Monsters are well out of the race, so they're not going to have a postseason either. In that case, I think it is better for him to play with the Jackets. Um, get the time playing with NHL line mates against NHL opponents. Um, and as for what the team's goals are for the rest of the season, I think it's a matter of focusing on the future and giving key minutes to players that are part of the future. Um, so once Johnson gets here, I'd love to even see him on a line with Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov. Like, put those three rookies on a line together and see what happens. Uh, there'd be a lot of skill on that line, a lot of talent. Oh, man, I would really love to see those guys play together. Give them big minutes, you know, play them 15 minutes a night. You know, why not? Got nothing to lose at this point, right? Um, so we just want to get some answers about some guys. I would also like to see some monsters called up we haven't yet seen uh, Tyler Engel or Carson Meyer or Tim Burney. So let's give those guys a look, see what they have. Uh, we've already seen Trey Fix-Wolanski and Jake Christensen, and I really liked what I saw from those guys, so I wouldn't mind seeing more from them. Now we are limited with only four call-ups that we can make uh, from the AHL by the end of the season. Uh, with the exception of emergency calls, those don't count. So if anyone gets injured, then we can make another move there. But so pick four of those guys that I listed, and I would like to um, like to see more of them. I don't need to see that much more of Brendan Gaunce or Justin Danforth or Gabriel Carlson. Like we know what we have from those guys. Now Gaunce and Danforth, they've been fine in their role. But I want to see what we have in the future and 
see if we have anything in some of those guys. Um, speaking of the monsters, uh, Josh wrote an update last week, um, touching upon two monsters that have earned new contracts already. Jet Greaves, the goaltender, has signed an ELC. So he has gotten to play a lot more than maybe they thought he would this year because of all the injuries at the NHL level. Uh, but he's done well enough to to get a longer look. Uh, Bill Sweezy is another one. He earned a two-way contract that kicks in next year. He is a very physical defenseman. Uh, that is the uh, calling card of his game. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that later. But that's an interesting player. It's interesting that the Jackets valued that in him to give him a contract. Um, the last signing that happened last week for the Monsters that is interesting to me is Owen Sillinger. He's an older brother of Cole Sillinger, so obviously another son of former Jacket Mike Sillinger. I think it's cool that the Jackets made this gesture of signing another Sillinger, um, you know, bringing another member of the family into the fold. But it is also not just a a signing to be nice to the family. Owen Sillinger did earn this contract. Uh, he finished a four-year career at Bemidji State, and he was like a point-per-game player at Bemidji for the last few seasons. So he is undersized for a center, which I'm sure is why he went undrafted. Um, but I think there's enough production there that it's worth a look. Now his deal is AHL only, kicks in next year. He's on a tryout contract for the remainder of this season. Made his debut on Saturday. I don't, I'm not expecting him to be a star. I don't know if he'll ever actually reach the NHL. But, you know, he earned, he earned a shot. And it's cool to see him get that shot. And now our final question from And Kilch. He had a great question last time. Has another good one this time. I wanted to talk about how many CBJ fans have mentioned how we need more grit and fighting type players to match some of the bigger, heavier teams. Yarmo even mentioned a post-trade deadline that he expects players such as Bean and Boquist to continue to grow and get stronger. Do you believe that we have work to do in this area, and is it something that could be fixed by next fall, or is it a longer-term issue? I do think we don't need fighting type players necessarily, just a bigger, heavier mix to add in with some of our young skill. So yeah, this has been a big topic this weekend. Uh, I wrote about it in my recap of the Minnesota game. Uh, that that was a game just like the first one against Minnesota. Very chippy, lot of a uh, lot of bad blood there. Another dangerous hit that injured a Jackets player. Zach Wierenski went down in the first period. He's day to day with that upper body injury. Which that hit at first it looked bad just because it was such a big hit. And because he went down so hard upon replay, it looks like maybe Jacob Middleton made the contact with Wierenski's chest, not the head, but then the head just kind of whipped in and hit his helmet. Still probably a higher hit than it needed to be and a harder hit than it needed to be, seeing as he was already getting rid of the puck. As for whether the Jackets, you know, what kind of players they need to add, I definitely don't want to add just a fighter type because there are guys that are known for hitting and fighting, but aren't actually good at the other parts of hockey. Um, like look at say Ryan Reeves that the Rangers signed and people thought, Oh, are they signing this as like Tom Wilson insurance? But he doesn't provide anything as far as scoring. 
He's not a good possession player. He's only playing like 10 minutes a night. And he's not even leading the Rangers in penalty minutes. So he's not even doing the fighting like they maybe want him to do. So so what's the point of having that? And even in the past, the Jackets have had guys that like, well, like we had Domi on the team last time. That didn't stop Marcus Foligno from hitting Jay Voracek. Um, in the past, we've had you know Nick Foligno that would fight. We had Josh Anderson that was a hitter. Brandon Dubinsky would fight. Um, having those guys, though, didn't stop Tom Wilson from taking off Winberg's head in the playoffs. So I really don't feel like having guys like that is a deterrent. I do feel like the Jackets could benefit from being able to play a more physical game. We seem to struggle offensively against opponents this year that do play physically. When you look at Minnesota or Carolina, they play a style where they can make it difficult to get a clean zone entry. So we need to get better about that. Now, I don't know that physicality is necessarily the way to get through that kind of defense. I think maybe you sometimes need just to be faster and to pass better to get around that rather than just skating through it. Um, But I do think, you know, for our own defensive play, we need to be more physical against certain teams. But I think we need to think about the kind of physicality that we have because it's not necessarily the big highlight hits. If you're charging in on a guy with a head of steam, that means you're out of position. I don't want that kind of hit. I want guys to be positioned so that they're just in the way. I want to see players be able to just use their bodies to just get in the way and sort of just in slow motion be able to force a guy off the puck just by being in the way rather than through an active, violent hit. Even if you if you look at Saturday's game, the first two periods were very, very chippy and a lot of penalties and all that. But something changed in the second intermission. The Jackets were up 2-1. And so in the third period, Minnesota just started playing hockey. There was only one penalty in the entire third period. Because for Minnesota, it was no longer about hitting the Blue Jackets or trying to mix it up or anything like that. They just played skilled hockey. And as a result, there was a 10-minute stretch there in the early period where there were no whistles. It's like playoff hockey that way. And they just dominated with offensive zone time. All right. So in the very in the few times that the Jackets uh, had possession back in that stretch, they quickly coughed the puck up, whether they were dumping it off because they were at the end of a shift or because Minnesota used their bodies to get in the way and bully us off the puck and get the puck back. But they were doing it with clean hits. They weren't big hits. They were just enough to get the puck back. You know, because some of these big hits, too, you're hitting a guy. You're also taking yourself away from the puck. I want a hit where you are getting between the player and the puck, and then you have the puck and can pass it to your teammates. Those are the kind of controlled plays that I want to see. That's the kind of physicality that we need. I do think there is room for internal improvement with that. Uh, Look at a guy like Andrew Peake and how he worked in the offseason 
and he bulked up. He got a lot stronger, a lot physical, and so he has become a good shutdown defender for us. So we have him. We have Gavrikov. It makes sense that we would want a third defenseman like that that we could put on the third pair, perhaps, and pair up with one of our more offensive guys like Jake Bean. Because, um, yeah, I do think that Beaner Boquist could get stronger. I don't think, you know, they're not going to change their game completely to become that kind of shutdown guy. They are offensive defensemen, and they shouldn't try to change that. Um, also, with Boquist, with his concussion issues, I don't want him playing that much more physically. I do think, even for the guys that aren't throwing the hits themselves, I do want guys to get stronger so that they can withstand those kind of hits better so we're not getting hurt as much when plays like that happen. Um, but I do expect those young guys to get stronger, especially Boquist being still just 21 years old. Um, maybe in free agency we can go sign a shutdown type guy. But I want to make sure it's someone that can play hockey, not just someone who's known for throwing hits. You know, I want someone who can pass the puck well with control out of the zone, who can contribute then in the offensive zone as well. You know, someone who can skate, who can be a puck mover, not someone like Gabriel Carlson, for example. He's big. He's a big guy, but he can't skate for for anything. Can't handle the puck well. So he's he was out there on Saturday. Did he do anything good for us? No. So having a guy that's just big doesn't help us. Having a guy that can fight doesn't help us play hockey. Doesn't serve as a deterrent. But a guy that can play hockey but is physical, like like a Josh Anderson, we clearly miss him. So if we can get someone like him, again, is that available in a trader for agency? I'm not sure. Is there someone in the pipeline that can be that? Maybe. Certainly, in any case, I'd love to get someone internally rather than having to spend an asset to get someone like that. But yeah, if the team can find a way to get more physical without changing the way they've played offensively, then I think that could help us. And that can be part of the missing piece for us. All right. That will do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. Again, follow us at CBJ Cannon on Twitter. Uh, that's where we solicit questions on Mondays when we're doing mailbags. This week, the Jackets host the New York Islanders on Tuesday and then travel to the island on Thursday. And then over the weekend, they are in Boston to face the Bruins. Before the game on Saturday, the Bruins will be commemorating Nick Felino's thousand games that he's played. So that'll be exciting to see. And congratulations again to Felino on that. So tune in next week where we'll talk all about that. See you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.